this is the Connected Media Podcast, a project by the folks at Roostful, intended to connect you, the listener, to our guest, an individual from the coffee industry. I'm your host, Zach Stamey. In this episode, we were able to speak with Gabriella Runison, co-owner and co-founder of Morgon Coffee Roasters, a coffee roastery based in Jotibore, Sweden. You can expect conversations about Gabriella and her background and her start in coffee, about coffee culture in Sweden, and about coffee competitions, and some of our thoughts regarding coffee competitions. Thank you for listening. Yeah. Uh, cool, we're good. All right, good? we're set. Oh, by the way, I know you all are um, Liverpool fans. I'm wearing my Liverpool jersey. Or I know, is it Christian that's a Liverpool fan? Oh, yeah, it's Christian. Yeah, he will be really happy and proud. <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, I don't care that much. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, I, but I'm, I'll I'm, tell him and he'll be super happy. Yeah. Please do. But, uh, but yeah, so I'm, uh, I'm here recording a podcast with Gabriella from Morgon Coffee Roasters. Thank you for, uh, thank you for showing up, Gabriella. Yeah, no worries. Thank you for having me. Yeah, we uh, we we love Morgon. Um, we love what you all do, uh, putting out pretty stellar coffee always. And uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's pretty cool to have you on. And and really, our first this is our first, by the way, our first recorded podcast that we're doing right here. We recorded one with with us as just the uh, the Roastful group, but mm-hmm. this is our first kind of conversation with with other people. So. Yeah, it's oh, great to have you on. That's an honor. But um, but yeah, I uh, wanted to ask you a couple of questions. Um, first of all, how is how is everything in in Yotabori? How is uh how's everything looking right now, and and how's Margon doing? Oh, it's uh, actually pretty good. Uh, but I mean, as for everyone, it's just like like from day to day, just like uh, yeah, trying our best, but. I mean, the spring was obviously really uh, tough, and then it's been like slowly getting back to like not where we were before, but just like getting better and better. But now we just got new restrictions in Sweden, like uh, tougher restrictions as well. And some countries that we're working quite a lot with in Europe with having like a, sh- a second lockdown. And I mean, it's all just from we're just taking it day by day. But uh, we're uh, keeping the spirits up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you all are, uh, are going to be in my, you know, thoughts on that. I know that's that's uh, difficult. I didn't know about the restrictions on Sweden. What's going on there? Is it is it a lockdown? A total lockdown again? Uh, no, no. Uh, it's mostly just like, uh, please stay inside. <laughs> so I mean, compared to like pretty much rest of Europe and. You guys over there, we it's really not a lockdown. It's just um, advising people to like stay in, don't go to restaurants, don't go to like malls or gyms, or like if you can work from home, you're supposed to work from home, but it's not really a like strict lockdown. Yeah. Gotcha. It's not any like punishment if you go outside or whatever, but uh, they really like recommend you to stay inside and ask you to stay inside. So. Gotcha. But, uh, yeah, so it's not as strict as the rest of the world, but still, you know. 
are you um are you all able to still show up at the roastery and and do your work? Are you all still still kind of showing up together? Yeah, yeah, we are. Uh, yeah. And um, we work at home from time to time as well. But so far, we've been like going to the roastery and uh, still trying to like keep things as normal as possible and just keep going and try to like figure out new ways to do things and like adjust to whatever's happening from day to day. So yeah, we're all at the roastery, but. Do you all have any, do you have any employees? I know that the three of you all, but do you have employees as well? No, we don't. Okay. No, so it's just the three of us. Yeah. That's probably, I know that that can be stressful in some ways, I'm sure. Um, Not having any, any more help, but I'm sure that's also relieving in some ways being able to just kind of, it is for sure. Yeah. And we were just like before um, Corona hit, we were like just actually gonna start looking for someone to employ because we had just like way too much to do and we've grown like so much and we were just like, okay, we need to hire someone. Like we're going to start looking, blah, blah, blah. And then just like, bam. Yeah. Uh, so now we were just really lucky we didn't actually employ anyone before uh, everything happened. So. Nice. Yeah, nice. pretty close, but uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I guess it. I guess that you know that did work out, but um, I'm sure you guys are gonna, you know, continue to grow as as long as you know everything is continuing to progress. I have no no concerns for you all, you know, and I know that that's easy for me to say on on my side of things, not being in your position and in Morgan and in Yotabari, but at the same time, I have a lot of confidence in you all and the product that you're putting out first of all, and then you know, everything just in your company, your, your, your transparency that you, that you all put into everything with, with your brew guides, with your talking, with cupping, uh, and even your, your buying practices, I think are, are, are pretty transparent. So, um, yeah, thank I don't you have so a, much. That means yeah. a lot. Yeah, yeah. But it's, I mean, that's all we can do and just hope that people will keep buying <laughs> and they do. I mean, like everyone has been so supportive, like all our customers and, uh, like the like retail market, like we're just like overwhelmed with everyone's support. Actually, it's just yeah. like I really feel like everyone is doing their absolute best best to like help each other and just like get through it together. And it's uh, yeah, that's one really amazing thing about this. I would say. I do like what you all have done with your. I noticed you've you've sent out a couple of discount codes for your web store. I thought that was. Um, pretty great, you know, because I, there's a lot of people buying right now for home. Um, even yeah. as things have progressed, a lot of people that like my business partners, um, they both work from home um, and uh, because they can. And that's what their employers have asked them to do. Um, I obviously don't. I work at a roastery. But um, yeah, just um, I know being able to send out those has probably helped people as well be able to have some of your coffee at home. So yeah, but, and also uh, just like as a bit of a like thank you <laughs> to everyone who's been buying because I mean that was like the first thing we did when uh, when it all just stopped from one one week to another uh, we just sat down and just like okay what are we gonna do what can we do and just like focusing even more on the retail market was like our first move uh, and it's been just like exploding as you said in Sweden like. Basically, everyone that can is working from home. 
Uh, and we've just seen like old customers buying like five times as much as they yeah. usually do and just like so many new customers um it's just you know also a, a bit of a like thank you for supporting thing for us um, yeah. yeah that's awesome i'm gonna need to yeah. see a picture of your dog <laughs> at some point <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> i have a thousand of those <laughs> um so starting off with a with a couple of questions for you. Um, did you grow up in Sweden? Uh, was Sweden yeah. was Sweden, nice in Göteborg? No, actually not. Uh, in uh, a place called Växjö, uh, okay. which is probably even harder to pronounce and spell. Uh, <laughs> so it's uh, a smaller town in like southern Sweden. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Is uh uh is it where what like what city that I would maybe know off the top of my head is it kind of close to? Um, I mean, like, Gothenburg and Stockholm are, like, on each side of the country. Okay. And then we have Malmö, which is the thirdest, thirdest largest. <laughs> that's not how you say it. <laughs> and, <laughs> but uh, that's, like, in the south-south. And Växjö is kind of, like, in between those three, in, like, the middle of the country. So it's okay. not really close to... Yeah, it's like two or three hours to each of those cities. Is coffee pretty? Um, is it pretty relative around that area? I know Sweden is is a is a massive coffee consuming country, but is coffee a um, pretty prevalent uh, product uh, that's you know consumed and used in that area? Uh, not specialty coffee, but coffee, yes, for sure. Gotcha. Cool, cool, yeah. cool. Uh, it's getting there. There's actually a few places doing it now, and. Like a lot of like really nice restaurants who's also like bringing in some really great coffee so it's coming but when i grew up there was one place yeah would you say in in smaller towns in sweden that something like a um something like a restaurant rather than a like coffee shop uh is is more often the ones that are carrying specialty coffee um the only reason i ask i have a friend in Trondheim, Norway, and uh, from everything he's told me, everything I've gathered, it seems like a lot of bakeries and a lot of restaurants are carrying specialty coffee, but there's not as many like coffee shops. Yeah, uh, I would say so. Yeah, it's often, okay. or at least that's often where it starts. Uh, I would say, uh, and it's, I don't know if it's easier because the coffee isn't like the main focus. So then it's perhaps a bit easier to like experiment with that and because it won't like ruin the whole experience for someone if they're not into that or don't know what it is. But if you go to like a pay or a coffee shop and you expect something like a regular Swedish coffee or whatever and you don't get it, that's like the main reason you went there. And I think that's I don't know, maybe people have a harder time adjusting if they were really like expecting a certain thing. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, I would say that there's a lot more restaurants doing it. Uh, and it's usually, or at least all the restaurants that we're working with, uh, both in Gothenburg and outside, it's usually like the sommelier who like gets into a coffee because it's similar nice. to wine. And then they are just like, oh, this is really cool. Like it's the same thing, but with coffee. And then they like, bring it into a restaurant. It's never like the chef or yeah. anything. It's always like, um, yeah. That's so, super cool. Uh, That's super cool. Yeah. 
uh, and I mean outside of Sweden and in Stockholm and some other places in Sweden, it's like cafes or coffee shops. But uh, yeah, in, nice. especially in Gothenburg, it's just almost just restaurants. That's I think that's really interesting. There's there's um there's a couple of restaurants, and I can't really speak to the entire like U.S coffee scene in terms of restaurants but a lot of restaurants at least around charlotte um there's not a lot of restaurants carrying a lot of specialty coffee i wouldn't say at least i know of a couple um but that's still not even like a um necessarily like a focus it's like we have this um and we can we can maybe do this um Mm -hmm. but it's not really uh, a major focus so i think that's really interesting um i'd like to potentially you know talk with somebody in in a in a restaurant kind of environment like that that uh, also is serving um coffee I, I i think like like there's a are you familiar with proud mary coffee roasters over in, yeah, in yeah. they their cafe in portland i think is pretty is modeled pretty similarly to their cafe in australia but i think they have a pretty major food program so it could be something similar where it's like really a lot of like restaurant and a lot of like coffee shop but um, I don't know. I think it's interesting. Yeah. So. And it's, uh, I mean, a lot of restaurants are still, I mean, like the, uh, culture in Sweden or like how you usually do it. It's always just like, even if you go to like a great restaurant, it could be like, oh, we know everything about this. Like this carrot has grown in like this soil in this place and like blah, 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 blah. And they know like everything about anything. And then in the end, it's just like, oh yeah, here's a coffee. And it's just like, like nothing else, just like a cup of coffee and they don't say anything about it or anything. Um, but I feel like it's changing. Uh, but uh, you could, it could definitely be like that. It's like really great restaurants as well in Sweden. Just like something that you put down on the table and you drink it and you don't care about it. But I think it's really cool when people realize like, oh, we could actually care about the coffee as well. Not just like the food and the wine and the service. Yeah. but just do it like all the way um so yeah it's really cool to like uh, be a part of that in a little way it's always fun when someone reaches out and be like oh yeah i think we we're gonna stop care about the coffee <laughs> could you have one <laughs> <laughs> and you're thinking finally it's took you long yeah. enough <laughs> <laughs> that's cool uh yeah. where uh uh i know so restaurants are are pretty pretty prevalent uh starting to carry coffee um where did you uh first start working in coffee was it damatea was your was that your first coffee job no it was actually when i graduated or when i was finished with school uh i moved to oslo oh nice um which is like or was at least super common thing to do for like youth in sweden because uh, for some reason, they love sweets because uh, they're way harder working than the Norwegian youth, <laughs> is what I would say. Uh, so it was like super common, especially like people from smaller cities like me would just like uh, go to Oslo and get a job in like two days and you would earn like twice as much as you would in Sweden. Uh, and uh, yeah, so that's what me and a couple of friends did. And since I didn't have like uh, any special education or anything. I just went for like cafe jobs and restaurant jobs and 
stuff like that. Um, and I got a job at a, it was like a bakery, small chain with three places, I think. And then they opened a fourth while I worked there. Um, and they had Lippe, which is a Norwegian roastery. And uh, yeah, so that's actually where I started, but it wasn't like the main focus or anything. It was yeah. just, you know, it was good coffee, but it wasn't like the thing. Uh, right. Yeah. And uh, then it was definitely at the Mateo where, uh, where it started. How did you transition from uh, your former workplace to Damatea? How did you? How did that transition happen? How did that occur? Mm, it was actually, I was one of the friends I was moving to Oslo with. We decided to move back to Sweden, and none of us had like ever been to Gothenburg, so we just picked it because it's pretty close to Oslo. Uh, it's actually like right in between our hometown and Oslo, so we were just like, oh yeah, perfect. <laughs> Uh, let's try this. And uh, we had a friend who stayed here. And uh, since cafe job was the only thing I worked in, I thought like, okay, I'm gonna start uh, looking for a job there, and then I can like work at a coffee shop or whatever until I figure out what I'm gonna do with my life, uh, right. just for like a little while. Um, and uh, she was just like, oh, I know this great place. Uh, uh, we need to go there. And uh, yeah, and. So I just left my uh, CV there. Uh, actually, to uh, Patrick Rolf, April Copper Roasters. Uh, yeah. Uh, and he actually gave it to the manager, which is really uh, not a common so you, thing to do. It's <laughs> you were more common. Patrick, to you were yeah. friends with Patrick before you were in coffee? No, no. Um, but my friend was friend with him. Ah. So she brought me to him, and he worked at the Mateo, and I gave my CV to him. Uh, yeah, and then I got a job, and then I just stopped fucking coffee. That's so cool. That's yeah. crazy how things <laughs> connect. I knew Patrick was, I knew Patrick, his first job was with Da Mateo, or yeah. one of his first jobs was with Da Mateo, but I didn't know that the, uh, your, all of your paths kind of crossed right there, so that's, that's pretty cool. I guess I just didn't put two and two together, but... Yeah. That's really cool. <laughs> um, yeah. we, uh, uh, and you roasted at Damatea, right? Yeah. So it took a while. So first I was working as a barista and then uh, as a cafe manager, I guess you would call it, at one of the places. Uh, and then doing some like uh, workshops and communication with like new staff. And then I started working half time in the roastery. Nice. Yeah. Uh, and then so kind of, when was it, when was the moment that you were like, maybe coffee is not just like a transition job. It's like, maybe what I want to do. When did, when did that come? Was that when you were starting to work in the roastery? Mm, I guess so. Yeah. And I think like the first time uh, I competed as well. And uh, that's when I realized that, you know, okay, this is something else. It was actually Patrick who was, Patrick was uh, forcing me to compete. Uh, <laughs> I didn't want to do it. <laughs> but uh, he was just like, yeah, I think you, I think you, you need to do it. Like, it's going to be great. We're going to do it together. So he competed as well. Um, and that's when I realized, you know, okay, there's actually something more here. And started to, like, grab, like, grasp. Um, different like flavors and you know all that thing so that's when I realized like okay this is not just like a barista job or you know it's 
actually something else. Um, but definitely when I started in the roastery, that's when I realized, you know. That's, that's crazy. I, you know, <laughs> I don't know Patrick personally. I, I don't want to, I don't want to even portray that I do know Patrick personally. I've communicated with him over email just because we've, we've bought some of his coffee uh, for Roastful. Um, but that does sound like something that Patrick would do in terms of the the push for competition. He's he's so so adamant about competition. So it's funny, like just knowing as much about him as I would know him simply from his media, um, yeah. and then hearing that story. Then that's 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 actually hilarious. So yeah, uh, it's really cool. We'd like to take a moment to mention Roastful, a coffee subscription company providing a tasting experience from three different roasters each month. Learn more at roastful.com. Now back to the show. But uh, I didn't, I honestly didn't know you competed. Did you compete in the Brewers' Cup? Uh, first, uh, Barista, but then uh, last two times with Brewers, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I competed uh, in the Brewers this past year. Um, yeah. And so, uh, yeah, that's really cool. I didn't know you competed in Brewers. Did you, uh, did you, did you do, uh, this this might <laughs> could come across as an offensive question. Did you do pretty well, or how did how did you do in your in your competitions? Uh, I was uh, second two t- two years in a row. So you did very <laughs> well. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, and then I was just like, you know, um, should I do it a third time or not? And um, I decided not. <laughs> that's, but that's uh, we'll so see. Cool. You never know. <laughs> Do you prefer brewers yeah. or barista? Mm, I mean, barista is uh, really fun, but it does take a lot more time. Sure. Uh, definitely. Yeah. Um, so that's why I did brewers. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's really like, uh, how do you say, like, you evolve so much and you learn so many new things, but it's also like really time consuming. Uh, so yeah, we'll see. Completely if different. It happens again. <laughs> it's a completely different, you know, obviously, um, completely different realm from roasting. Um, even barista and brewers, you know, um, regardless of, of quality control, you know, just the entire roasting process is, is completely different. But do you think this did help you uh, uh, become a better roaster um, and become a, a better um, just individual in, in the industry? Um, do you think that helped you in, in a lot of ways or, or not really? Mm, I do think so, yes. Okay. Uh, but Or not really a better roaster or anything, but I mean, okay. the amount of time you spend like in a room with other people, just like trying coffee until you're in getting insane. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, that must mean something, just, just the trying and, you know, describing flavors and just try to brew one coffee to uh, perfection. I guess like flavor wise, it's, uh, it's really great. Uh, and of course, just like challenging yourself. Uh, but I mean, it's, it's not really something you can apply that much on like working as a barista, I would say. Uh, I yeah. mean, I don't think that made me any better of a barista than 
my colleague who didn't compete at all because that's not the same thing uh, yeah. but just like flavor wise brewing wise um i'm sure it did something <laughs> that's that is a great perspective i think you have there because I, I you do hear a lot of people that will push for competition in a lot of ways you know um even even patrick and i think there's i think there's two sides of it i think that push for competition um is is great and i think that it does make people better um like you said you know it it probably made made you better in some way in terms of just sensory you know skills um but at the same time when there are people that don't necessarily have that need to compete or that want to compete you know it's it's not necessarily you're not going to be any any worse of a barista uh because you definitely didn't compete, not you know? definitely not and it's still like Competitions are also like super weird <laughs> and it's just like a whole different thing than working as a barista, I would say. It's just like a completely di different thing. And I mean, it's, it's really fun, but it's just like not, I don't think you can compare it to actually like working as a barista or, you know, to be like, oh, I, I am the barista world champion. I am just super sure there's a thousand baristas out there who's way better barista than anyone yeah. who's a world champion because it's just two completely different things, um, yeah. I would say. And it's just a weird concept, <laughs> actually. <Yeah. laughs> but it's fun. It's just not, you know, you could, uh, in that way, I think like Coffee Masters, for example, uh, is a way better way of like uh, you know actually competing in barista because uh, that's way more applicable to the actual work as a barista but uh yeah yeah and i i would agree and, and i think like a thought that's kind of been through my head and i do plan to compete i enjoy competing i i can become a competitive person um to to my own you know detriment you know it, it can it can be uh, kind of bad. Uh, so I have to try to try to balance that. And, um, because at the end of the day, you know, we, we are all a part of, of one industry. It, it shouldn't be that we're at each other's throats by any means, you know, and I think we do a pretty good job of that as an industry staying where even when we're competitive, you know, to, to also still be, you know, loving towards each other. Um, but that is a thought that's kind of been through my head, you know, even coming out of COVID, um, uh, which we're still very much in it. And I know that's something that you know, Patrick continues to say as well in, in his podcast, and I don't want to step on his toes, but, you know, even, even with, with that, I think like, is, is competition going to be as much of a thing, you know, coming out of COVID, you know, should be, should, you know, me being a national Brewers Cup competitor, should that be on an application be any much of a, a stepping stool for me to get in a position than someone who's not been a, you know, national Brewers Cup competitor, you know, is this going yeah. to be looked at the same, or is it uh, uh, gonna gonna kind of move almost, you know, out of out of the? Because I think for for a little bit, we've even seen some competition kind of looked at in a little bit of a different way. So I'm just curious, like, what the industry's focus is going to be on competition as we continue to move, you know, hopefully in a in a better spot with with COVID with everything. Yeah, so. and I definitely think like, um, you know, we're moving. When I started in coffee and like the first time I competed, I feel like everyone was just so much 
about competition and it was just like it's just like such a you know small amount of people who have like the time and uh, the money and like anything to actually do that uh, and I do feel like we're moving more towards like if we're going to compete we're going to do it like you know everyone have um, like the same uh, possibilities and just like making it more of a you know fun and challenging and not as like elitistic and nerdy more yeah. like uh, the barista league is doing just like it can be super fun to compete it doesn't have to be like about life and death you know it can also yeah. be like super involving and fun and you can win something nice without having to spend like every night for a year in a closed room just staring at a v60 it can be just like beers and first of things a nice time <laughs> i agree i agree, I agree. yeah you guys have been pretty involved with Barista League. How did that? How did that come about? Uh, we got to know Steve, uh, who founded it, uh, actually, uh, and uh, we got to know him. And he moved to Gothenburg and started working with us. And uh, then it just, yeah, just went from there. Uh, nice. So we've been working together, and we're really close friends as well. Uh, and he's actually. Uh, working from our uh, roastery as well. Oh, so very nice. See each other a lot. Yeah, that's really awesome. It's it's yeah, cool that it you is. all are able to you know have that kind of shared space in a sense. Um, yeah. What is? Uh, did um, last question about competition, and I'll move on from competition. My my head can kind of keep going on on competition for for a while. I'm like, well, who who competed? Who didn't compete? But as uh, as Christian and Marcus also competed, or have they not competed? Mm, Chris. John did once in roasting, and he okay. placed third, but that was quite, I don't remember exactly when that was. Uh, and uh, then we did win the Nordic Roaster uh, Forum competition uh, in 2014, I think. Nice. Yeah. And uh, Marcus is two-time Swedish Cup Tasters champion, uh, and he placed eighth in uh, Budapest, I think. Nice. Yeah. Marcus so, is a, a that's impressive. That's yeah, impressive it is, it is for sure. Yeah. Um uh, and I do think, you know, even from the from both perspectives, I, I I wouldn't want this to be portrayed that I'm trying to take a side of no competition because I do plan to compete. And I think like at the end of the day, like, you know, all of your you know, skills and what you, what you all have accomplished has, does kind of translate. And I, I would believe into what Morgone is becoming and what it has become and what it's still, still continuing to becoming. Um, and so, yeah, I think, um, I think it's interesting. I think it's, uh, I think, you know, as Tim Wendelboe said, and I think he said in a podcast recently with Patrick Rolf, um, just talking about how, you know, with events that we have done in the past, um, with even just kind of events that people would gather for, you know, that maybe not, maybe wouldn't be beneficial for a company in some sense, you know, will we continue to do those, you know, will, will we continue to, to take part in that or will it be less often, maybe still going on, you know, so it'll be interesting to see, but, um, but yeah, that's, that's cool. I actually didn't know that you all, that you all competed. Um, I know you had, you had uh, spoke a little bit about um, Swedish coffee earlier in our conversation. Um, but I did want to ask you, 
um, you know, the, the Gothenburg kind of community as a whole, uh, is that, and you said that, you know, a lot of restaurants are carrying, especially coffee, but um, is it for the most part um, non-specialty in Gothenburg? Uh, how, how is specialty coffee kind of uh, accepted over there? Um, you know, according to uh, what I read on World Atlas, Sweden is the sixth highest coffee consuming country in the world, which is very high. Um, but, um, and I think in the US um, specifically, we have this idea of uh, Scandinavian style roasting, which I put in quotation marks. The listener won't be able to hear that or see that, but um, I put in quotation marks because I think that's a just a very irrelevant term. I think it's a very, um, and, I, and, I, and I think it's, it's important to not loop in, you know, coffee roasters in a, in a certain country to a specific roasting style because we, we have exceptions everywhere. Um, and I think, um, you know, with that kind of thought process that every coffee roaster in Scandinavia is roasting light, I, I've kind of come to understand that it's um, not accurate. Um, but uh, yeah, do, do the citizens of, of Gothenburg, do they want, um, do they want lightly roasted specialty coffee or what are they more wanting? Is it more of a developed coffee? I'm asking myself the same question. Uh, a lot. <laughs> but uh, I just, I mean, like Sweden, as I say, we drink an insane amount of coffee. Uh, and we've done for a very, very, very long time, which also makes like the way people drink coffee, it's really just like, you know, almost set in stone. You know, you have the way you drink the same coffee every day in the same way, it tastes the same way. And it's just really something that you don't want to change. You know, it can be really like personal to people. And it's just, um, yeah, not something that you mess around with. It's the way it's supposed to be. And it's supposed to be that way every day. Um, so that's a challenge for sure. Because it's really just something, yeah, that most people don't want to, uh, you know, try something new. But uh I do feel like it's changing uh, and I do think like if you do it the right way and if you just like really out open and just make it, you know, fun and ac uh, accessible, uh, people are really keen to try actually. Um, but uh, we, we have uh, like every last Saturday of the month, we have an open house in the roastery uh, where we just like brew coffee and when it's not COVID, stuff we have like coffee tasting and just like invite everyone uh, into the roastery and those Saturdays has actually been like the majority of the people are uh, just like a bit older people who have no idea what we're doing uh, no idea what specialty coffee is they're just like so an ad on Facebook or we're just walking by and just like they just come inside and just like what is this <laughs> uh, and you would think that they would be like oh this is weird or like this is but usually they're just like super happy and just like really enjoy it and they think it's just really fun and they come back the next time and just like oh I can't drink regular coffee anymore this is amazing so I do feel like if you just like don't force it on people or like shame them or anything everyone is open to it but uh but yeah, but we still have like, uh, you know, it's still a, it's still a really uh, tough market as well, or, you know, 
but uh, yeah, we're getting there. <laughs> that's that's so. I think it's so cool that you guys do that. Um, Kopi does a similar thing, correct? They do a thing. They do something similar where they open up their roastery to serve coffee on like a Saturday, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that I think it's I think it's a great idea. Um, you know, especially you know for 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 roasters like uh, Kopi and and you uh, who, who who don't necessarily have a you know cafe setting to serve coffee, you're still able to serve to the public. And I think it's a really creative way and a unique way to kind of um, still connect with the public. Um, yeah, and, and I think- it's also, I mean, the majority of the people who drink coffee in Sweden, they have no idea like what it comes from or that even, you know, a lot of people uh, think that uh, the beans are actually like, you pick them up from the ground and they are brown. Like they don't even know that we're roasting the coffee. So for being a country who consume such a huge amount of coffee, like most of the people don't know like where it's coming from or how you roast it or like anything. So it's also really fun for them to like drink the coffee there and we can like show them the green coffee and like this is how you do it, this is what it comes from um, and just try to get a bit of that understanding as well. I think that's, I think that's great. I think that's kind of, it's, it's something that I think we started with specialty coffee doing really well, um, trying to be very, you know, warm and to show people uh, what is different and what is going on. Because like you said, some people have no idea, you know, it still surprises me when I talk to people that, that don't realize that, you know, coffee is, is a fruit product, you know, and, and it, and and this this statement will kind of lead into my next, but it can become you know frustrating to me. But I think we did you know a really good job at being really warm in the beginning, and we've kind of moved away from that in a sense. And and we just almost expect people now at this point to um, understand what specialty coffee is and understand just what coffee is and and where it came from and and how it's how it works. But there's still a lot of people that that don't understand, and I think that what you all are doing with that. Um, is 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 very uh, I guess I could say nostalgic in a way, and just being as warm as you're being, and, and being as helpful as you're being, because I think that's that's what's important, um, not just for the coffee industry, but just in general as people. If we can, you know, quit looking at the customer as as just a customer and as actually a person, you know, uh, I think that uh, can can kind of break a barrier and and just communicate as as people should. So I think that's definitely, great. and I mean like. Our goal and what I guess like the main goal is just to get more people to drink good coffee that people are like getting paid for producing. And that has to be like our main great goal. And no one will benefit from us being like, you know, shaming people for not understanding or being like, you know, uh, we have to... I mean, there's so many other things that I don't know anything about. Like, I mean, I guess it's the same with like wine, obviously, but like cheese or, you know, (laughs) any other product uh, where I don't know anything, but I want to learn. And if someone does that in like a nice and warm way, I would be more open to buy great cheese. But if they're not, I probably just go on, uh, you know, buying <laughs> not that great cheese <laughs> we're a very the human population is a very oppositional defiant 
uh, uh, people. You know, we 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 are very opposition defiant. I think that kind of you know stone cold kind of you don't know this, you know, and and that kind of push away uh, is is truly a push away. I think it is going to you know that person may eventually come around and and start buying that product, but most likely if they get a response in that kind of sense, they're, you, I, I personally in the same way, I would, I probably wouldn't want to continue to try to find that out. I'm just going to keep going on my ways and my patterns that I've, that I've kind of developed um, and, and that I've not quite been in a, in a cycle of breaking, you know? So um, I think that's, yeah, definitely. Uh, I think that's a great point. Um, yeah. And just but, like, uh, even if it's not about uh, getting someone to drink coffee and uh, that's not, how you treat a person <laughs> anyway i mean like yeah. <laughs> whatever you're talking about <laughs> or anything you wouldn't uh, you know uh, yeah treat a person like that so why would you do when it comes to coffee that's kind of and that's that's kind of that's a reason you know in terms of just treating people as people i think i, I kind of went back and forth in my head about this for a little bit trying to figure out if i wanted to start a podcast. Um, Justin Smay, are you familiar with Passenger? Oh, you, you uh, Passenger's in the same box as you all this month. So yeah. for the listener that's this, this listening, uh, this is being recorded at the same time that Morgan is about to be sent out in our November box. But uh, Passenger is also in our box. And Justin Smay, who works with Passenger, who we've been communicating with uh, back and forth, who has been amazing, um, had kind of said something to me um, when I asked him if he would want to you know, record a podcast. And he said, you know, I'll have to really think if there's something that's valuable for me to say. And um, that kind of, I think, thought process kind of struck me. And it's like, okay, is there a reason for me to start a podcast that I really, and, and, and the main reason I'm wanting to start this is, is simply, it's called the Connected Podcast. And uh, it's a, 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 an aimed to be, you know, intentional conversations um, so that we can, you know, know one and you know one another uh, uh, better, and we can know each other more uh, on a deeper level. Um, because I think if we can just know each other and understand each other, at least to a small extent, obviously the listener uh, can't, you know, know you, Gabriella, um, from listening to this conversation, and I can't even know you from just having this conversation. Um, but if we can just understand a little bit more about each one of us, uh, then I think. Uh, we can we can stop looking at each other just as as figures and and more as people and you know I'm very much a, a, a spiritual person in that sense and and so I I definitely uh, believe that we 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 should be you know not looking at each other at at a at a, at a very small lens and and rather is you know a, a a creation of sense so yeah yeah I totally agree um I mean there's a lot of things happening I feel like and there's a lot of a lot of great groceries for being such a small country I mean there's just so many amazing groceries and we're all kind of working towards the same goal I would say um so uh, yeah it's moving yeah. forward nice I mean it still still feels surreal that someone in the U.S. is like oh we're gonna buy some coffee from these guys <laughs> <laughs> it's still like every time i get like an, an order from outside of sweden it's just like whoa this is like how do you even know about us <laughs> but uh it's, i mean it's amazing but it's just like uh yeah still really really humbling i would say 
I was so excited. I'm, this is going to sound so so funny for me to say this on this podcast. If I was the owner of Morgon Coffee, I'd be like, oh, they're from wherever? Uh, yeah, of course they're going to order from us. We're Morgon. But, you, know, you know, you were talking about QC, um, you all cupping your coffees. What is Morgon's um, roasting philosophy? I, 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 feel like, I feel like a lot of your coffees... Um, are pretty similar to, well, I won't say what I think it's similar to, but I, I, I'm curious, like in terms of if you're open to giving your, your roasting philosophy on everything. Um, yeah, I'm just curious. Yeah. It's like, I mean, for us, it's all about, you know, letting the coffee just like speak for itself and just to really get like all the flavors out and just like have this clear sense of origin and just not try to roast anything you know, roast away anything that we don't like or try to push it, the coffee into something that it not. Uh, just like bring out all the flavors and the terroir and just like really showcase the taste of that coffee. Uh, yeah. It's, nice. uh, <laughs> and I mean, Christian always says like, if you buy great coffee from great people, you just have to turn it brown and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> It's not inaccurate. It's kind of, I guess it's kind of the, um, you know, a, a chef's perspective as well, you know, buying good ingredients. Uh, yeah, and, I mean, the hard product. work has already been done. So, roasting I'm gonna, it. You're cl cleaning it up a little bit. You put crap in, you're going to get crap out, you know, and, and the opposite yeah. is true as well. You get, you put good stuff in, you're going to get, you know, good stuff out. Um, at Damateo, I'm curious, Damateo, um, what do they roast on? Uh, Loring. Oh, so they do roast in a Loring. So, yes. um, uh, I guess that was my question. Um, why did you, uh, why did you all go with the Loring? Um, and had you an had you had experience uh, uh, of roasting on a Loring prior to Morgan? But Damate has a Loring. Yeah. Uh, so me and Marcus have only been roasting on Loring, uh, and Christian has been roasting on other machines as well. Uh, but. Uh, for the last 13 years, maybe, <laughs> he's been roasting on a loring. Uh, nice. So, and I actually think he was, uh, when the Matteo got the loring, they were uh, probably one of the first, if not the first in Europe, uh, to get one of those. So it's really been like loring all the way. And I mean, it's an amazing, amazing machine and that was actually one of the things like when we started it was that was like a, a deal breaker for us or just like it has to be alluring or uh nothing <laughs> and we uh, we obviously had to like cut down on other stuff to uh, make that happen but uh it was just like i mean it's amazing and it's so easy to work with so easy to keep clean which is like one of the main reasons as well like cleanliness that you get in a coffee roasted on a loring it's i would say it's really hard to get uh, on another on another machine um so yeah that was definitely something that we were kind of hard on i used to also say the same thing uh i don't really have plans to start a coffee roastery but uh i um i, I used to say if i ever start a coffee roastery i only want a loring or i want nothing <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but I, uh, I, I do think there are, I do think there are um, other great machines. I, 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 I do enjoy 
the coffees we put out on a Diedrich, I think those are great machines. And I, I've had a lot of great coffees uh, from roasters that are roasting on a ProBat. Um, Calendar, I'm not ashamed to say, uh, is one of my favorite, you know, one of my favorite coffee roasters. I'm not saying they're my favorite, but they are one of my favorite. And they're putting yeah. out amazing coffees. That's what I'm drinking right now, actually, is um, from oh. uh, the Caballero, uh, uh, Moises and, and uh, uh, yeah, what is it, Moises Herrera? Yeah. Most amazing coffees. They're just like the sweetest. Um, so, yeah. It's one of my favorite What did you say? They're one of your favorites? Yeah. Nice. Definitely. Yeah. They put out. They put out wife and personal wife. They're great people. I had a similar yeah. uh, video chat conversation with Zara and Dan a couple months back when I wrote a, a little blog post about them. But they'll yeah. hopefully be on the podcast at some point. I hope this is not yeah. pressure to Zara and Dan to be on the podcast, but they can't be at the moment. <laughs> maybe, maybe in a future recording, we'll have them on. Uh, yeah. But um, I know we've got probably about seven minutes before I want to uh, wrap it up so you have some time mm-hmm. to go. But um, you kind of, I think, I don't think there's any, there's a couple of questions on here um, that I've got for you that I don't know that are necessarily uh, extremely relevant. Um, I do want to ask uh, maybe maybe two questions. Um, the first being, um, you know, you see a lot of coffee roasteries that are um, going and, and shifting through their offering lists uh, relatively often, which is not a bad thing um, or a good thing. It's just kind of um, more of a philosophy, I guess, in a business sense for, for some coffee roasteries. Um, and then you have coffee roasteries like Passenger who have on uh, a lot of coffees um, because they're able to freeze their coffees um, and they're, and they've got this massive offering list, which is, which is really awesome. Um, and then I see, um, roasters kind of, I, I would say like with, with Hex, even where I work and, and with Morgon, um, it, it seems as though, at least for Hex, we, we have on coffees, um, we try to have them on maybe, maybe about a month, month and a half, um, for each coffee. Um, and, and I would say, I don't know what your, what your timeline looks like that for, for Morgon, but it seems similar in a sense, at least. Um, with kind of the uh, more static offering list, still roasting very seasonally, um, but still, in a sense, static and not necessarily, you know, f- 30 different coffees from Colombia, but maybe having coffee from uh, Esnado Ortega, Daniel Munoz, and um, a, co- a couple of other producers from mm-hmm. Colombia in, in, a, in a season. Um, what, is, what is the idea behind that? Or is there an idea behind that? Uh, it is. I mean, like, one of our like main, uh, you know, the reason we started Morgan and what we think is like the most important thing and what we want to do is just like all about the relationship, both with like you guys and all our customers and everyone buying our coffee, but like even more with the producers and to be able to work like really closely with the producers and especially coming back year after year. and we do think that this is like the most sustainable way to work with coffee and just like, you know, working together, growing together, um, staying together, even though we all know like a year can be like great harvest, next year maybe not. It's changing a lot right now with like climate change and struggles like COVID-19, obviously, and just like stick together through that and just keep, you know, working together. So we prefer to have 
like those closer relationships and buy more coffee from each producer than you know picking 20 different uh, producers from Colombia uh, and have just like a little bit from each of them because you know that won't make any difference for us or for them um, so I mean like the goal will be to buy you know all the coffee from a producer and just like you know keep going that way um, so that is probably the reason that we just prefer to buy more coffee from the producers that we're actually working with. But it obviously looks different in different countries. Uh, so right now we're working with six countries. We have Brazil, Colombia, El Salvador, Costa Rica, Ethiopia, and Kenya. Um, and in some countries, like especially Colombia, uh, Kristen has been going there for years. And uh, together with- He travels with, with Anne from Pepe, right? Exactly. So together with coffee, we have these producers there that we're working with, and we buy all their coffee uh, with them. Um, so, I mean, that's like a super close relationship, and we, like, the plan is to go there every year. Obviously, we couldn't go there now, but we keep in contact anyway. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's the goal to have it uh, that way in all the countries. But I mean, for example, Ethiopia and Kenya, we don't have that much relationship already and we haven't been. Um, I was in Ethiopia last December and I guess that was like kind of a start of that, but it, I mean it takes years to build anything like that. Uh, Christian has been doing it for such a long time. So it takes, yeah, a lot of time and dedication and you need to like really uh, trust each other, but that would be the goal to have a couple, like a few producers in each country and just like buy everything but uh yeah nice we're still well, quite small in that way so working with coffee and with um coffee in that way is great because then we can like uh, it's a great amount for us to share um, i think that's extremely extremely transparent um and even just from from my prior understanding to your buying practices and hearing you talk about it i, I think it's um it, it feels with really great intention. I don't think we're gone. Um, I did listen to a, a, a seminar that was really great. Um, and I'm blanking on the name at the moment, but I'll, I'll leave it in the show notes. Um, and it can still be bought and listened to. Um, but it's, it's, it's really speaking on that um, kind of uh, sense of using marketing language um, to kind of market ourselves into a, a, a kind of the limelight um, mm-hmm. when we're not necessarily following through with that. Or if we are, it's, it's still kind of putting us in a spot where it looks good because we're using this marketing language. But I don't yeah. think that Morgan uh, does that. It just feels that your, your buying practices are with good intention. Um, and we all understand that we, we have to continue to, to push for um, a, a, better, a better spot um, buying, you know, in coffee. Um, if that even, you know, what that looks like, we don't know. Um, I know Lucia Solis recently did a podcast and she was talking about, uh, she was talking with a producer, and that producer was just talking about how um, it was uh, 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 something that he just wanted to escape. Um, coffee was something he wanted to escape, and and what his exit strategy was, um, and that kind of sense of you know is is the coffee industry going to continue? Um, are we trying to keep people in the coffee industry so that we can buy coffee? Um, but I don't feel that. I feel that you all are are truly pushing with with good intention. Um, to pay your farmers um, w- w- what you can and 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 a and a and, and a good price as well. 
Thanks for listening. If you'd like to know more about Roastful and follow our upcoming projects, you can find us on social media at Roastful Coffee or online at www.roastful.com. If you'd like to know more about our guests and their companies, you can visit the links in our show notes. Thank you.